The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty God, whom truly to know is everlasting life, grant us so perfectly to know your Son, Jesus Christ, to be the way, the truth, and the life, that we may steadfastly follow his steps in the way that leads to eternal glory. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from Deuteronomy. When your son asks you in time to come, what is the meaning of the testimonies and the statutes and the rules that the Lord our God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, We were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders, great and grievous, against Egypt and against Pharaoh and all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from there, that he might bring us in and give us the land that he swore to give our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God, for our good always that he might preserve us alive as we are this day. And it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to do all this commandment before the Lord our God, as he has commanded us. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So reading from the book of Acts. Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, and saying, This Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. But the Jews were jealous, and taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob, set the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd." And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And Jason has received them, and they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. And the people, of the, and the people and the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things. And when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish Jewish synagogue. Now Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them therefore believed, and not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. 
But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul in Berea also, they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. Then the brothers immediately sent Paul off on his way to the sea, but Silas and Timothy remained there. Those who conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens, and after receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they departed. The word of the Lord. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And you know the way where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also, and from now on you do know him and have seen him. And Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and that is enough for us. And Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long that you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his work. Believe in me that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me or else believe on the count of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord Christ. We give you thanks and praise, Lord Jesus. We thank you that you have promised that when two or three gather together in your name, that you will be with them. And Lord, we are so thankful um, that you are with us this morning. Pray that you would teach us um, and give us open hearts to receive uh, your words for us. And we ask this in your holy name. Amen. And you can be seated. So as I talked a little bit about uh, last week, if you were here, uh, my uh, wife Molly and I um, just had an opportunity to, to travel for a few weeks internationally. We visited a, a couple uh, different uh, uh, supported missionaries at Church of the Cross. We went to a, a big Anglican um, uh, gathering of um, Anglicans all over the world in uh, Rwanda. Um, and um, I, uh, uh, for one, uh, love to, to travel. I love visiting new places. I enjoy uh, traveling um, internationally. But I'm probably not alone in that uh, before. 
before traveling and actually often during traveling, um, I often feel a lot of anxiety, um, even as I'm enjoying um, the adventure of it. There's also certain worries um, that come uh, with adventure. Um, and so before our trip, uh, my wife Molly and I would have moments where we'd be, start to think through, you know, what if our luggage um, doesn't make it through? What are we going to do? And does the transportation that we've set up in the different places, is that going to work out? And what about the places we're going to stay? Do we know for sure that they're, you know, as nice as the pictures on the Airbnb um, look like? Um, and so we, you know, feel that anxiety around, you know, will we make the connecting flights? Uh, will we be able to find currency wherever we go? Um, and there are those detail um, uh, worries that come up. And again, I don't think I'm alone in that. But then we also found there's sort of bigger worries of, should we even be taking this trip? Is this a, a good use of our time? Is it a good use of financial resources? Will our expectations for this trip uh, be met by what actually happens? Right? Will we end up feeling like, was this you know, a good use of the time? Are we just going to be disappointed? Those sort of things. I think it's significant that oftentimes when we think about life, uh, a metaphor that is used for our lives, an image that we often use is a journey, right? That life is like a journey. Life's like an adventure. Life's like a pilgrimage, actually. That's a scriptural image that we're on pilgrimage um, in this life. And I think those worries that come up when we travel, at least uh, for me, and again, I'm sure for many of us, are oftentimes indicative of maybe just larger worries we experience in life, right? Where am I going? Am I going to be able to get to the place that I ultimately hope to get to? What challenges am I going to face? What barriers am I going to run into as I seek to go to new places, as I seek to, to grow, right? And is what I do make any difference? Does this journey really matter? Perhaps that's at the heart of much of the anxiety um, we feel. And who's with me on this journey? And am I going to be abandoned? Am I going to be left alone on this journey? There's a lot of anxiety that we can um, carry around. And of course, this is why we so need to hear and so love to hear the words of Jesus that begin our uh, gospel reading today. Let not your hearts be troubled, right? Probably some of the most embraced and loved words of Jesus often read at funerals, rightly so. Right, that we need to hear these words in the face of death. Right? That's often a very anxious time for us. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And we should know that Jesus says these words to the disciples right after he has told them a number of things that have made them very anxious. And so when we hear Jesus saying, let not your hearts be troubled, he's not saying, look, nothing bad's ever going to happen to you. Don't be troubled, right? Life's going to be always easy. No, he's just actually said to him, some hard things are coming very soon. He shares these words on the night before he went to the cross, on the night where he instituted uh, the Lord's Supper, right? This comes not long after he has just washed his disciples' feet. And so they've seen his servant heart. But then he said to them, one of you is going to betray me. And it actually becomes pretty clear in what he says that Judas is going to betray him. And then he tells Peter, and you're going to deny me. Right? Peter has really arisen as a leader among the disciples. We can imagine the other disciples hearing, Peter's going to deny you? Judas is going to betray you? And then Jesus says, perhaps what's the hardest thing for them to hear? He says, I am going somewhere where you cannot come with me. And again, this is their friend speaking to them, but this is their rabbi. It's the one who they've committed their lives to for at least three years, who they have followed and who they have come to believe is the Messiah, the Savior. And he's saying to them, I'm going to a place 
and you're not going to be able to come with me. We get the sense, actually, that it's starting to sink in at this moment when the questions that they ask, you see it some here, that they're starting to realize he's talking about his death, right? He's saying he's going to die, right? He's told them actually a few times before this that he's going to be arrested, that he's going to, to die. But it seems like before this, they've kind of thought like, oh, that's just Jesus stuff, whatever that means. You know, clearly it doesn't mean he's really going to die. But now it's actually starting to sink in like he's serious. He means that he's actually going away from us. We can imagine, again, the deep anxiety they're feeling. What's going to happen to us, right? What, 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 how, how are we going to handle this? And so he says to them, let not your hearts be troubled. Again, yes, anxious things are coming, but you don't have to be troubled. Why not? Right? Well, he gives the answer here. This is why you don't need to be troubled. Why you actually can find peace even in the midst of the anxiety you're feeling right now. So what is their anxiety? Well, one thing, again, that they're feeling is, where will we go? Right? I mean, that's a question I think that, again, we ask a lot. Where will we go? Right? What destination am I you know, aiming for? Will I get there, and will it be a good place? Right? Behind that question, where will we go, right, can be a, a lot of questions. One, like, am I going to be safe? And perhaps even more so, am I going to be abandoned? I think oftentimes that question, where am I going? Where is my life taking me? There's a fear of loneliness. There's a fear of harm. Right in that question. And maybe for some of you, again, that question, where am I going? Maybe there's a question of things are really good right now in my life, right? I'm aware of many blessings. Am I going to lose those? That's sort of the anxiety that often wakes people up in the middle of the night, right? Am I going to lose the good things I have? Am I going to be abandoned? Again, am I going to be alone? Am I going to see those I love harmed? Am I going to experience harm? Maybe for others of you, actually, the question is, are things going to get better? Maybe there are difficult things you're facing right now and trials you're in, and your question is, is this ever going to end? Am I ever going to experience relief? Is this heaviness that I feel so strongly, is there going to be a time when I get clear of that? Are things just going to get worse? Where are we going, right, is what they're asking Jesus. Um, so in our travels um, uh, that we took, we did miss um, uh, a connecting flight. One of the things we were worried about, it happened. Um, sometimes that happens. Um, uh, we actually ended up uh, not being able to get the connecting flight to the next day. Um, so we were flying into uh, Kigali, uh, Rwanda, again, a day later, and actually we were getting in in the middle of the night. We'd never been to Rwanda before. And so we were trying to figure out how we were going to get from the airport to our hotel. There was a ride for us for our original flight, but when our flight got missed and changed, um, we were now coming in at a new time. Um, and so we were like, how, how are we going to get there? You know, again, in a new country that we've never um, been to before. Uh, we had some friends at the hotel where we were going to be staying who had set up for the hotel to pick us up. But again, it was one in the morning. And our friends said, everyone at the hotel are very kind but they don't always follow through on things they say they're going to do. So that made us a little anxious. Um, and so Molly and I were thinking through, okay, will we be able to find a cab? Are there cabs in the middle of the night? And Kigali, we didn't know that Kigali is the cleanest, most well-run city we've ever experienced. We didn't know that yet. We later found that out. So we were, again, nervous. What would it be like? And I can tell you, again, it seems funny now, but when we walked out of the airport, and we saw the guy holding the sign with our name on it, Christian and Molly Rock, you know, the, the, the uh, person picking us up from the hotel. We were so relieved. There was such a sense of like, ah, we're going to be taken care of. We're not going to spend all night in the airport. And Jesus is basically saying to this, the disciples, speaking to their anxiety, where will we go? What will happen to us? And look what he says. 
right? Basically, it's better than Jesus holding a sign, right, with their name on it. He's saying, actually, you're going to go to my father's house, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. When you think about what are we worried about? Safety, right? Being alone. Just notice how specifically Jesus is speaking to that. He could say, you're going to be in my kingdom, which is true. He could say, you're going to be in paradise. That's what he says to the thief on the cross, which is true. But the specific image he uses is a home, my father's house. And there's a room there that I'm preparing for you. And not only that, but I'm actually going to come and get you, right? If you've ever been afraid about where you're going, right? And somebody says, look, I'll come pick you up and bring you there. And that sense of like, ah, I won't have to figure out parking. I, I'm so happy that someone's going to bring me there. Jesus is saying, I'm going to bring you there. I'm going to bring you to my father's house, this place of complete safety, of complete joy. And I've prepared the place for you. So he speaks directly to their anxiety. He's saying, look, your ultimate destination is guaranteed. I'm guaranteeing it for you, right? They don't understand that actually he's going to the cross for them in order to prepare that place. He's going to suffer and die in order to prepare that place for them and defeat sin and death and his resurrection. So he's promising them that, that ultimate destination. Now, I appreciate that even while he's saying to them, I'm going to meet you, I'll bring, bring you to that place, right? He says at the end, verse 4, and you know the way, way to where I'm going. Don't you love it that Thomas is like, wait, hold on a second, right? You know, like, wait a second, like, this place sounds great. We're going to the Father's house. There's a room made just for me, but you just said I knew the way, and I don't know the way, right? And so he's worried. He's still anxious. Like, show me the map, Jesus. Like, I do not want to miss out on getting to the Father's house, right? And let's be so thankful for Thomas. There's a lot of reasons to be thankful for Thomas. He often speaks up maybe and says things that are kind of awkward, like, I'm not going to believe in Jesus' resurrection until I see him in the flesh, right? But let's be thankful he speaks up because we get the answer, um, the amazing answer that Jesus gives. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? Thomas, you don't have to be worried. You know the way because you know me, you know the truth, right? You don't have to be worried. Do we, do we know what to do? Do we know what's right and wrong? Yes, because you've experienced it in me. Right? You don't have to be afraid of death because I am the life, right? We saw that last week as Jesus promised. He is the way, um, the, the gate of the sheep and brings them into eternal life. Once again, he's affirming that I am the way, the truth, and the life. You will come to the Father through me because you know me. So again, we have this ultimate destination. And that should bring comfort to us. I hope, I hope it speaks to our hearts. But maybe as well, if you're like me, you say, okay, that's great. I'm so glad we have that ultimate destination, but I'm actually anxious about tomorrow. I'm anxious about next week. And so it's great to know that there's a time coming where I will be in the Father's house for all eternity and Jesus, that you will bring me there. But what about the time in between? And I think that's hard for us. I mean, we, again, I, maybe all cultures are like this, but I know we live very much in the moment. And we're very aware of the right now. And it's hard to live in that future place. But it does make a difference. It makes a difference for one thing, to know that we're going to the Father's house gives a perspective on this life. Right? That it, brought, it draws us to an eternal perspective. And again, that's a, I think takes a discipline to live into that. But Jesus is inviting us, live into this future reality and let it um, uh, affect the way you view life now. Let it color all that you do now. The words um, of the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians, the words of the Lord through the Apostle Paul, these well-known words um, I find I have to come to again and again. Where he says this, we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, 
Our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And again, if you've studied it all, Paul's life in the book of Acts, I mean, we heard a little bit about it um, in our Acts reading and his letters, you know, he really experienced affliction. He experienced incredible difficulties. He was arrested, he experienced relational difficulties, he experienced physical um, difficulties and ailments. And yet he can say they're light and momentary afflictions, right? They're not light and momentary afflictions in light of, you know, what he experiences. They are light and momentary in light of the promise of the Father's house, in light of the fact that Jesus will bring him to that place of eternal safety and joy. Um, And that, through that perspective, Paul can say, and we can say, the afflictions we experience are light and momentary. So Jesus, again, don't let your hearts be troubled understand this world um, in light of what is to come. Understand the current challenges in light of all that I've promised for you. But of course, it gives us perspective, but it also calls us to trust. Again, we saw that last week, right? Jesus says, I am the way, I'm the gate, but I'm also the shepherd. So the one who is the way, the life, and the truth is with us now. And he's with us in those challenges. And actually, again, when Paul says, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day, Jesus calling us to trust, right? Even in the challenges you face day by day, I'm at work. I'm renewing your inner self. I'm actually strengthening you. I'm actually growing you in that. And again, take some discipline on us to come back again and again. Oh, my heart does not need to be troubled. Even though I may face afflictions, they're ultimately light and momentary, and Jesus is with me. He has promised to be with me. So again, we have that anxiety. Where will we go? Where will we end up? And Jesus, again, gives them a picture. You will end up in my father's house, and I will bring you there and prepare a place for you. But we also see, right, in in Philip's uh, question, and again, we're so thankful for the, the way the disciples spoke up and poured out their hearts. Philip says to him, Lord, show us the father, and it is enough for us. Again, I would ask the question, right, what are those things that you say, if I just had this, that would be enough for me? Or the things that's like, could I just be given this? Then I'd be happy, right? Then I'd be satisfied. Would you just fulfill this deep longing? Right? What is it, right? What are the anxieties that come up that you say, that would be enough for me if I just could experience that? Again, Philip, I mean, let's celebrate, right? I mean, he's saying, I just want to see the Father. Like, just show us God, that we can see God, and then I'll know. Then I'll be satisfied. Right? And that's in many ways probably behind many of our longings, many of our anxieties, many of the things that we say would just be enough for us. Probably behind that is, I just want to know, is God good? Right? Is God for me? Can I know him? Right? Can I see him? Again, whatever it is we're struggling with, that's kind of at the heart. Right? Does life make sense? And is God, the author of life, for me? And Jesus' response, right, it's not just a, you know, a theological correction, Although it is, and we can be thankful, again, that Philip asked this question because we, we get such a clear affirmation of the divinity of Jesus, right? And the, the oneness of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, right? And so we um, get some great theology here, right? I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, right? That's good. But do you also hear in that that Jesus is saying to Philip, Philip, you know what God is like. You've seen God. And so, yes, he's affirming that he is divine, that he is the divine son of God, but he's affirming the love you've seen me express to you, 
right? My care that I'm showing right now for your anxiety, right? The fact that I've come, the way you've seen me love the least of these, the way you've seen me speak truth um, to injustice, right? The way you've seen me heal people and provide for you, that's God. That's what God is like. And so your deep anxiety, right? Just show us the Father. I want to know what God is like. You know what God is like, he's saying to Philip. You've experienced him in me. And again, we need that at times, right? When we look at Jesus, we see the Father. And our worries and our concerns, is God for me? Does God care about my life? We see in Christ, absolutely. This is how much he cares, right? That he went to the cross for us and he rose again and defeated death for us. That answers our deepest needs. Some of you may be uh, familiar with the play Waiting for Godot. Um, it's, it's largely uh, celebrated as one of the best plays of the 20th century, but it's a very strange um, play, uh, if you're familiar with it or know anything about it. It's basically an uh, absurdist play, and it, it tells the story of, of two uh, men um, who are very unhappy, who are waiting for Godot, and spoiler alert, he never shows up. Um, and so um, there's a lot of dialogue, um, there's a lot of um, back and forth between these two men and a few other characters, but not a lot happens in the play. Um, a few years ago, uh, my son, my little son Aiden, was uh, in a production of Waiting for Godot. I'd read the play before, but I'd never seen it performed. And I went to see it twice because my son was in it. And I have to be honest, by the end of the second performance, I was um, feeling in a deep way the despair that the play speaks to. Um, it's a very funny play, but again, the, um, the, just the hopelessness um, that it portrays is actually really strong. And again, I remember near the end of the, the second time seeing it, thinking, ah, oh, it'll be over soon, right? But the, the despair, the hopelessness, again, no offense to my son Aiden, who was very good in it, Although my son Aiden played a character named Lucky, who is very unlucky, who is actually miserable the entire play. So maybe that was part of it, watching my son um, suffer on stage as this miserable um, character was part of the experience. But again, Samuel Beckett, the author of Waiting for Godot, has denied that it's anything about God. Uh, but people keep bringing up, yeah, but Godot, God, I mean, it really seems a little obvious. And the fact of the matter is there's all sorts of Christian themes in the play. And many people say, yes, of course this is about waiting for God. And the message is, he's never going to show up. You can wait for him, but the fact of the matter is, this life is full of despair, it's hopeless, and God's not coming. And what a contrast we have when Jesus says, Philip, I'm here. You've seen God. He has come in me, right? I am, right, the Lord. That's the message to us as well. Again, at times we can feel that despair. We can feel that, is God ever going to show up? And the message actually is, he has shown up. Right? He has come. Right? And we know what he's like. And we see the Father in Jesus. Finally, Jesus speaks to an anxiety that they don't, they don't actually articulate, but Jesus knows what they're feeling. Right? Again, in that sense of you are going to go away from us is the question of, does it matter what we do? What about our works, right? You know, are we going to be able to do anything without you? And in one sense, the answer Jesus gives is no. You won't be able to do anything without me, but you'll be able to do great things in me and through me. And matter of fact, I promise you that you will continue to do great works actually through me. And so he says those incredible words in verse 12, whoever, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do. Now, how can Jesus say that? What's well, generally agreed, and I agree, that Jesus is not saying qualitatively you'll do greater works than I did, 
right? Jesus defeated sin and death. He rose again through him. We have forgiveness of our sins. We have new life, right? We're not going to do greater work than that. We're not going to um, uh, bring forgiveness of sins to the world, right? Bring grace, right? But Jesus is speaking quantitatively. He is saying the work that I've begun, it is going to spread and it is going to multiply and it is going to go out through all the world through you and through those who follow you. Greater in the sense of the greater impact, right? Because you'll continue the work that I'm doing. And when we understand that that's the promise that Jesus is, is making there, we actually read this and we can say, we've seen this promise be answered. We actually see it right now. At this moment, right, when Jesus was saying this, right, there were 12 of them, right, 13, um, you know, gathered in this room, and they must have been thinking, how will we possibly have greater works done than you? But now, from our perspective today, we can say, it's happened, right? That again, the good news of Jesus has gone out into all the world, right? And amazing things have been done in his name. And we can actually say that even with all the, you know, weaknesses that we know that the church has and that the people of God have, even with all the mistakes that we've made, still, right? The church is going out and it's serving the Lord. Even with all of our faults, the Lord is being glorified and he's working through his church. So again, that anxiety, what, what will I do, right? Does anything I do make a difference? Jesus is saying, yes, it does. And I think we can find encouragement in this, right? The small acts of obedience, the daily ways in which we pray for others, right? And we seek to love others in Jesus' name and seek to show the love of Christ. Jesus is working in that. So there's encouragement in this, but also here in this inspiration, right? To keep asking, it's so interesting, he starts by saying, you know, you'll do greater works, but then it becomes very clear, I'm going to do the greater works through you. Ask anything in my name, I will do it. And so the pressure's off, in a sense, right? The Lord will work, he'll work through us, but it's ultimately his work, and so ask. Right? Keep asking him to work. Keep expecting, right? As we feel that anxiety, does what I do matter? The place Jesus invites us to is keep coming to me and bringing that, those desires to me and I will work through you, right? Ask for great things. If you're like me, oftentimes I find myself anxious about some situation and I can't figure out what I'm gonna do and how I'm gonna help, and then the Lord reminds me, just ask me to work, right? I mean, it's my work. And maybe you'll see an answer quickly, maybe it'll be a while before you see the answer, but again, it's my work um, that you can be a part of. Ask me to do it. One final uh, travel uh, story. Uh, to share. Um, uh, uh, a number of years ago, our, my family and I were able to take a, a sabbatical trip, and uh, part of the time on that trip, uh, we were um, in uh, Kenya. Um, we were taken care of by uh, my friend, our friend, Pastor uh, Joshua, um, who uh, was our guide for the two weeks we were there. And at one point, I think we had been there a couple days, we were in Nairobi, we were about to travel outside of uh, Nairobi, and uh, Joshua was um, driving me and a couple of my um, boys to go get a, a luggage um, uh, carrier uh, for the, the vehicle that we had. And it was about five, six um, in the, the day, it was starting to get dark, and uh, Joshua, Pastor Joshua said to us, he said, where we're going right now is a very dangerous area, uh, just so you know. And he said, it's especially dangerous at night. You wouldn't want to go there at night. <laughs> Um, and I looked out the window and I saw it was getting darker and I said, Pastor, um, I think night's coming. Um, should we not be going uh, to this place? And I look back at my kids and they're looking nervous. I'm like, maybe we should go tomorrow. Pastor Joshua said, I'm with you. Why are you worried? I'm with you. 
And he was right, because Pastor Joshua knows Nairobi very well. And he has friends everywhere. And we found the place where we were going, and people were there. They were very protective of us. They took care of us. Right? In many ways, that's the heart of what Jesus is saying, right? When he says, don't be troubled. He's saying, I'm with you. Yes, I'm going to the cross for you. I will rise again, but I will be with you. I will be with you through my spirit. I'll be with you through my word. I'll be with you when you pray to me. I will be with you when you gather together with fellow believers. Let's continue to bring our anxieties to him, knowing that he can take those um, and he can give us peace. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for these words that you gave to your disciples. And we thank you that these words are for us. I just pray right now, Lord, for each person here with whatever anxieties they are carrying, whatever worries, whatever challenges are before them, that they would hear very specifically through your spirit. Do not let your hearts be troubled. That they would know, Lord, your presence and they would know what it it looks like. That we, each one of us, would know what it looks like to place our anxieties in your hands, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the promise of a good future to come. And we thank you for the promise of your presence with us right now. And we give you thanks and praise in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And let's respond to God's word. You can stand together.